Hey, good morning, everybody. Who's glad to be at church today? Oh, come on, can you give Jesus the best shout of praise this morning? Oh, come on, give him the best praise you got. You can do better than that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, it's so good to be in church with you all. My name's Caleb, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at City Hope. I'm honored to be with you this morning, but I just want to take a moment, and uh, the video that we had, the tribute to Martin Luther King, we could just take a moment to honor him and his life and the work that he did. Come on, can you put your hands together and honor Martin Luther King for that? Um, man. Like, what a life, what a man, and the work that he did as he was following the purpose that God had for his life and paving the way for freedom, paving the way for racial reconciliation in America. And um, I just want to say that as a church, that, that that's our heart and that's who we are, that we want to be the kind of church where anyone is welcome and anything is possible, regardless of your skin color or your background or, or, your, or your family, the way you were raised, your, your ethnicity, whatever it is, that you are welcome here and we want you here, but hey, because because guess what, everybody? That's what heaven is going to look like, okay? That's what heaven's going to look like. So we just want to be the kind of church of what it's going to be like in heaven, okay? Because we're going to be together for eternity, and we are better together. And so um, that's the kind of church we want to be, is a church of racial reconciliation, a church of unity. And um, I just wanted to take a moment to say that. And I love you. You're such a great church, and I'm so grateful uh, for, for every one of you who's a part of this church. Um, but I also want to let you know, uh, as I said, I'm one of the pastors here at City. City Hope. Uh, one of the primary roles I get to serve in is in our college ministry. And uh, last semester, we launched our college ministry called 1824. And um, I just want to let you know if you're a college student or if you know a college student, to let them know that this coming Tuesday night, we're relaunching for the spring, getting ready for the spring semester. So we're going to have launch night of 1824 right here at 7 p.m. It's going to be exciting. And I hope that you'll come out and join us if you're a college student or if you fall into the ages of 18 to 24 years old because that's why we call it that ministry, is we call it 1824, because it's for people who are 18 to 24. You don't have to be in college. So we'd love for you guys to come out and join us. And then also just want to reiterate what um, the, the, the City Hope News said a moment ago. We have City Hope Leadership Academy preview night on January 17th at 6 p.m. And so this is really just for those of you who you feel called to uh, the ministry or maybe you feel called to marketplace ministry, like you're, you're a businessman or woman and, and you want to continue doing that, but you want to take your spiritual leadership to the, the next level. In the church I was growing up in, we called it lay leaders, people who they were ministers, but they weren't necessarily paid. It wasn't their vocation. And if you'd like to grow in that leadership capacity within the church, this is a, a they said it was two years because it used to be two years, but we actually redid the whole thing, and it's a nine-month process now. So we shortened the process to make it easier for people to get through. And so um, we're going to be launching that new process um, this semester. And if you want more information on that, you have questions, show up at the preview night. We'll be able to answer all of those questions. And uh, the Leadership Academy is amazing. I've gone through it. I recommend it, and I believe it'll make a big difference in your life, but today we are in part two of the series that Pastor Ben kicked off for us last week called Pray First, and last week Pastor Ben shared an incredible message, and he talked about the power of first, about putting God first in our lives, the first of our year, the first of our month, the first of our week, the first of our day, and today as we continue this series Pray First, I'm going to be talking about prayer, I'm going to be getting pretty practical today, uh, digging into that, and hopefully giving you some tools to help you grow in your 
prayer life. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that today. But the, the theme verse for this series is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And I just want to let you know that this message is going to be probably more teaching than preaching. And so we've got some, we've, in your worship guide, we have notes with fill in the blanks. And if you'd like to follow along with me, I'd love for you to follow on and take notes, fill in the blanks as you go. But the verse says, pray in the spirit in, and everybody say this with me, in in every situation, okay? Now, a lot of us, maybe we thought that prayer is something that we do when we're at church, or prayer is something that you do during your quiet time or during family devotion, but what the Bible teaches us is that we can actually, and, and not only can we, but we should pray in every situation, which means that we can pray all throughout our days. Like, you can pray anywhere at any time. You can, you can pray in the shower, you can pray when you're getting ready in the morning. You can pray when you're in bed going, going to sleep at night. You can pray when you're in the car, dropping your kids off at school or driving to work. You can pray and should pray in every situation in your life. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm from Alabama. I've been here in Texas for three and a half years now. But growing up, I, I was an Auburn fan, still an Auburn fan, didn't have the best season this year. But I was thinking about it, you know, and I think there's a lot of Alabama fans who are getting really close to God right now, and they're <laughs> praying a lot because Nick Saban has retired, okay? And the dynasty is, is a little shaky right now, okay? So I think that they're probably praying pretty hard because they've lost their Savior, all holy Nick Saban, right? Like they've lost him. And uh, all the other teams uh, in the NCAA are shouting, right? They're like, praise God, Nick Saban has retired. And so I thought that was kind of funny that, like, like I think there's a lot of Bama fans. They're getting close to God right now. They're, they're praying. They're throwing up the Hail Marys. God, we need you. Come on, send us someone that's as great or greater as Nick. Come on, Lord. But prayer is really meant to be, it's meant to be an on, ongoing conversation with God. That's it, plain and simple. It's a conversation with God just like you would have with your spouse or just like you would have with a friend, maybe your best friend. Like you can imagine as you would text your friend or your spouse throughout the day and you would send them short little messages. What would it look like if, if our prayer life looked like that? That throughout the day that we just sent one sentence prayers up to God throughout the day, short little conversations throughout the day. Like you don't have to do a big extravagant prayer one time a day. And you can do that. If you do that, that's fine. But you can also do just short, simple, conversational prayers to God throughout the day. Like, Jesus, I love you. Like, that, that's all. I love you. I'm not going to ask you for anything. Don't you like it when your kids come to you out of the blue and they're like, Mom, Dad, I love you. And like, that's it. That makes you feel good. Like, what if we did that to God? And we, we just said, God, I love you. Don't want anything in return. Just want to let you know that I love you. Or... Or God, I, I need your help in this project right now. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I need your help on this test. God, I need you. But it's just short conversational phrases throughout the day. I think it would transform our life. And that's something that I've been implementing in my life is just to pray continuously and to pray throughout the day in every situation. And the next part of that verse says that we should use every kind of prayer and request that there is. And I grew up in church, and for a long time, I didn't know that there were different types of prayers and different types of requests for different situations. 
But one of the resources that we provide, we're in a season as a church right now, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we do prayer every day here in the mornings. And one of the resources that we provide is the Pray First Prayer Guide. And it's filled with prayer models that you find in the, bo- the, in the Bible. And then it, it takes those prayer models from the Bible and it simplifies them so that we can pray those models in our lives, different prayers, different types of prayers, different types of requests for different situations. And I know for me personally, it has transformed my prayer life because I remember going to prayer meetings as a kid growing up and I prayed for everything, including my cat and my dog and, and everything I could possibly think of. And then it was just like still all this time left over. But with these resources that, that the church provides, the way it's transformed my life is I'll come to prayer in the mornings and, and I don't even necessarily, I'm not, I don't even have time to get through my entire list because I'm so resourced and I'm so equipped to be able to pray. And it's changed my prayer life and it's changed my relationship with God in a powerful way. And that's why I would really like to encourage you to come out to 21 Days of Prayer because uh, well, this is the second week. Today is day, uh, day eight of 21 Days of Prayer. And um, it's, it's been amazing. But I think that it will change your prayer life. It'll change how you relate to God. If you'll come out to 21 days of prayer, get the resources, implement it in your life. And here's the times that we we do Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 a.m. We finish on the dot. If you need to leave early to get to work, that's fine. And on Saturdays, we let you sleep in a little bit and we do prayer at 9 a.m. So we, we start a little bit later so you can get some sleep on Saturday. But I would love to just encourage you to press in for these last two weeks during prayer and see what God will do in your life. And I think these prayer models are really so important. There's several in that guide, as I mentioned, and and they've transformed my life. And so I want to take today and I'm going to teach you one of those models um, because I think it will be very beneficial for you. I think it'll make a big difference in your life. And the prayer that I want to teach you today is called the tabernacle prayer. And the context of this comes from the story where God chooses Moses to go to Pharaoh in Egypt And to lead the people of Israel, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And so he sends Moses to go deliver the children of Israel and lead them to the promised land. Maybe you've heard the story or you've seen the old animated movie called The Prince of Egypt that that tells this story. And basically what happens is Moses goes and and God miraculously delivers the children of Israel. And and it's now Moses' job to lead them to the promised land. And this trip should have only taken them about two weeks, but it ends up taking them 40 years because they end up wandering around and around in a circle in the wilderness, in the desert, as the Bible talks about. Now today we know that the the area that they are wandering in was the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, but they're just wandering around lost, going in circles. And you say, well, why were they doing that? And it's because that God was trying to teach them some things during this season. And so since they were, they're traveling around, they're wandering around in the desert, and as they're doing this, they needed to have a place to worship God. And so God instructs them to build a church, but it's a portable church. It's a church on wheels. There's different parts. Like you can set it up, you can tear it down, you can put it on wheels so that when it's time to travel, they can take it where they need to go. And when, they, when God would tell them to stop, they'd stop and they would set it up. And they would set up this portable church. And the word that the Bible uses for the portable church is tabernacle. It uses the word temple when it's talking about the permanent church. But tabernacle is referring directly to the portable church that the Israelites were using during this time. And and the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 25, 
God says this. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary. Notice why. So that I can live among them. Because he loves them. He's saying, I love them and I wanna be with them. I wanna live among them. And so you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. But I wanna point out this right here, that in the Old Testament, God dwelt in buildings that were built by men. But after, and so in order for the presence of God to be with them, they had to have this tabernacle. But after Jesus came and died on the cross, the Bible talks about the veil was torn and that released the presence of God to where all people could access the presence of God. And now he doesn't live in buildings that are built by men, but he lives inside of us. He lives inside of our hearts here and now, and each and every one of us have access to his presence. And so, but he tells them, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings according to the pattern. And so there's a specific pattern. There's a specific order that they had to set the tabernacle up in. It was very important that they got it in the right order. They couldn't mix it up. They couldn't be careless and get it mixed up. They had to go in the right order. And ultimately, as they would go through each of these steps, it would end leading them into what was called the Holy of Holies. And that's where the presence of God was. And they had to go through each step to be able to get into the presence of God. Now, I just want to say that because of the work of Jesus, his presence is accessible to us at all times. But if we'll apply this pattern to our lives in prayer, I believe and I know from experience that it will transform your relationship with God. It will transform your faith because, because the principle still applies in our lives today. That sound good, everybody? Y'all with me? Awesome. And so here's what the tabernacle looked like. You can see it's kind of rectangular. And this little tent right here, this, there, there's four pieces of furniture inside of here, but inside the tent, the very last station in the back is where the presence of God would dwell. And that's where the Holy of Holies where We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But right here at the beginning, this part is, is the gates where they would enter. And it would lead them to the outer court. And what the Bible talks about is that when Moses would follow this pattern, this, this pattern of the tabernacle leading to the presence of God, that what would happen was that Inside the tent of meeting, that tent that we just saw, inside that tent, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, just as one speaks with a friend. And I was just thinking, what would, it, what would that do to us if we were able to meet with the presence of God face to face as one meets with a friend? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't think you'd ever have to tell me to pray again, right? Because that would mark me and that would change me in such a powerful way that I would just want to keep coming back to be in the presence of God. And so I want to I help you with that today and show you this simple model, this simple pattern of how you can get into the presence of God through your prayers. But the, very, the, very, uh, the first step that they would take was at that gate. You can fill in the blank if you'd like. And it was, it was called the outer court. And when they would come into the outer court, what they would do is give God thanks. They would give God thanks and they would give God praise for all the things that he's done in their lives. So before they ever even got to the first piece of furniture, the first station, they would go ahead and thank God for what he had already done in their lives. In other words, before they ever asked God for another thing, before they asked him for another favor, they said, God, I wanna thank you for what you've already done in my life. Because you've been so good to me, you've changed me, 
You've transformed me. And so I wanna give you the praise that you deserve before I ever ask for another thing. And I think that one of the flaws that, that our society has is oftentimes the only time we ever pray to God is when we need something. And we just go to him, God, I need this. I really need that promotion. I need the raise. If you could just handle that, God, that would be great. Could you take care of that? Thank you. And like, we just tell him like, hey, here's my one of the week. This is what I need. If you could, if you could get that for me, that'd be real good, God. Good luck. Could you handle that for me? And we just wait till God, but what would it look like if we started our prayers with giving God thanks for what he's already done? That God, I'm not gonna treat you like you're a genie in a bottle. I'm not gonna treat you like, like you're Santa Claus and I'm just waiting for the present to show up under the tree. I'm gonna thank you for all the good things that you've already done in my life. Like, God, I, I have some things that I need, but if you never did another thing for me, you've already done enough for me on the cross. You set me free of my sins. You gave me an eternal home in heaven. And if you never did another thing, you've already done the greatest miracle that you could ever do in my life by setting me free of my sins and giving me eternal hope of a home in heaven. Amen, everybody? And the Bible tells us in Psalm 100, it tells us about those gates. It says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And I wish we could just take three seconds right here and give God a praise for all that he's done in our lives. Oh, come on, give him the best praise. If you're thankful that he saved you and that he's healed you and that he set you free, God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. We give him praise. We give him thanksgiving and we give him praise. And what that is, is it, it's, it, it's gratitude. It's being grateful. And gratitude says that what I have, what I already have is enough. That I don't have to ask for more because I'm grateful for what God has already done in my life. And so once they came through those gates, the next thing that they would come to was this altar, is the brazen altar. And what this was, this little, little box here, and it's an altar, there'd be a fire burning inside of it. And in, in the Bible in this time, in the Old Testament, there had to be, blood had to be spilled for sins. There had to be a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and they would sacrifice animal sacrifices. And so when you come to this, it's a little bit gross, but when you would come to the brazen altar, there would be body parts of animals that were on this altar and they would be burning and cooking where people had made sacrifices. And there would be all of these four horns on each corner. There would be blood that they would put on those four horns. And you may say, why? That's gross. Why would they do that? And, and the thing is, is because it was a reminder it was a reminder that in order for us to access the presence of God, in order for us to come before a perfect, holy, majestic, all-powerful God, that there had to be a sacrifice given. For us to be forgiven of our sins, blood had to be shed. And so what the brazen altar teaches us is to focus on the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, church, that the only reason that I can stand in the presence of a perfect, holy, all-powerful God is because the blood of Jesus that is applied to my life. It's because of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the only reason that I can be in his presence because the Bible says that on my best day that my righteousness is like filthy rags. And so I gotta have someone else's righteousness and it's the lamb of God, it's Jesus Christ. I've gotta have his righteousness clothing me and covering me and the blood of Jesus covering me so that I can come into the presence of God. 
And so we come to this, as, as we're in the attitude of thanking God, we go ahead and thank him for the cross. Thank you, God, that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. That I, that I was a sinner and I, I remember my past and I remember the sins. God, but by your mercy and by your grace and by your blood, you set me free, Jesus. You set me free from my sins. And I don't have to be separate and distant from you any longer. But because of the blood of Jesus, I can come close. That's what the brazen altar reminds us of. And, and, and Romans 5 and 6 says that when we were utterly helpless, and you know, I think this is something that we struggle with especially in America today, is that we don't realize how utterly helpless we really are. Because when things get bad, I can, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and I can work more and I can get overtime and I can, I can live the American dream and I can figure it out. Hey, that's great, but guess what? Who gives your body the strength to work? Who, who allows your heart to beat? Who allows you to get up in the morning to receive another day? And so we have to realize at the end of the day, we're all utterly helpless without God, but Christ came just at the right time, everybody, and he died for us. He died for us sinners. And I think that we gotta remember, like, like he didn't just die for the person to your right, to your left, and, and for your heathen brother-in-law, like it was you too, right? It was me too. We were all sinners, and Christ died for us so that we could be set free. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. And so we remember the cross. And after that brazen altar, the next place they would come to, the, the, third, the, the, the third station, you, you've got the gates, you've got the brazen altar, and now we come to the laver. And what this was, was it was a big bronze bowl with mirrors inside of it filled with water. And the reason it had water in it was because they would wash themselves and they would cleanse themselves before they could get into the presence of God. They had to be clean. And so they would wash themselves. And, and the mirrors were there so, so that when they were washing, they could see their reflection. They could see their face, because maybe when you look in the mirror, you realize, oh, I'm not as clean as I thought I was. Like there's some dirt here, or there's a smudge there, and I need to clean that up. And they would cleanse themselves so that they could be clean when they would enter into the Holy of Holies. And for us, what this means is it's where we ask God to forgive us of our sins. God, would you make me clean? Would you create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit with me? And we offer every part of our lives to God. And so when we're praying this, it might sound a little bit strange, but you offer every part of your life and, and literally you do that with your body and you start at the top. And it might sound strange, but it's very biblical and I'll show you in a minute. But start with your, your head and you say, God, I give you my mind today. Lord, help me to think thoughts that are pure and noble and that are right, thoughts that are praiseworthy, God. Thoughts, Lord, that would give you praise, God. Lord, and I give you my mind today that I'm gonna walk in peace as my mind thinks about you, God, that I'm not gonna have the lies of the enemy in my mind. Lord, I'm not gonna believe the lies of the enemy. God, I'm gonna be clothed in my right mind today and I give you my mind. God, I give you my eyes today. Lord, I ask that you would help me to see you and see needs of others in the world where I can make a difference. God, I make a covenant with my eyes to not have lustful eyes. God, I'm not gonna lust after people, possessions, or power. God, but I, I'm, I'm gonna have covenant eyes today, Lord, and I, I give you my ears, Lord, to be sensitive to your voice because I'm just a sheep. I'm just a dumb sheep, and I need to hear you speak to know what to do. 
because I don't always make the right decisions. So help me to learn your voice and to know your voice and to be sensitive to your voice and help me to ignore the voice of the enemy that would try to lie to me. And God, I give you my mouth. The Bible says that no man can tame the tongue. And so I need your power to help me control my words today. Lord, I wanna speak words that build people up not words that tear them down. I wanna speak life and not death, blessing and not curses. I give you my mouth. Lord, I give you my hands today, Lord, so that I can serve you. I'm dedicating. Y'all see what we're doing? We're dedicating every part of our body, every part of our lives. God, I give you my hands today to serve you and I give you my feet to walk in your steps, to walk on that narrow path, God, that you've laid out before me because wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. And I wanna be on your path, God. So I give you my feet. We offer our bodies, and and it's very biblical because Romans 12 tells us, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. It's worship unto God when we offer our bodies to, to God. And I want you to notice that he wants living sacrifices. God doesn't need dead animals on an altar anymore, and he doesn't want that. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to live for him. He wants to offer your life as a living sacrifice and to live your life for him. We come to the laver, and and we find cleansing. Now, after we go from the laver, we enter into that small tent that you saw in the picture a second ago and there's a, there's a piece of furniture and it's a candlestick and it's that seven-pronged Jewish menorah. Maybe you've seen it before. And what this was symbolic for was the presence of the Holy Spirit because on the candles there would be fire burning and as long as the tabernacle was set up, that fire continuously burned. It was always burning and, and it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit the presence of God. And so when we come to this this step, the candlestick, what we do is we invite the Holy Spirit to work in my life. I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to work in me and to empower me and to help me. And so you just pray through, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need you in my job. I need you in my relationships. I need you in my family. I need your help in my finances because, you know, I don't know about you, but, but for me, um, there, there's a lot of days in, in my job or in my family or in the ministry that I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, you ever felt like that before? Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just get, I'm getting by. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I, I'm not, like, I'm not good looking enough. Like, I I don't have it all together, and I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. And and sometimes, like, I wonder why God even chose to use me, because if you knew me when I was in middle school and high school, I was an average C student. I got in trouble. My teachers didn't like me. I was a dork. I I was in the office all the time getting paddled. And and for some reason, God chose me, and he pulled me out out of that, and he set my feet on the rock, and he gave me a purpose and a firm foundation, and it's all glory to God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, and he can do the same thing for you. You just ask the Holy Spirit to work in your life. If you're a business owner or a business leader, the Holy Spirit can help you lead your business. 
The Holy Spirit can help you grow your business. If you're a student today, the Holy Spirit can help you in your classes and on your tests and in your relationships and in your job. I'm preaching better than y'all are amen today. The Holy Spirit can help you. He wants to empower you and you invite him to move in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir up those spiritual gifts inside of you because whether you're a Christian or not or whether you even believe in God today or not, I want you to know that you have a spiritual gift. You probably have multiple spiritual gifts because God gave them to you when he created you. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, he said, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gifts that God gave you. He gave you those gifts when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. You have spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts that God has given you. And so when I pray this, I say, God, would you give me your spiritual gifts today? Because I know I'm not talented enough. I know I can't do this on my own. I need you, so please anoint me and give me those gifts. And I say, God, anything that you have, I want it. Don't hold any gift back from me because I need it and I want it. And get this, it's not so that I can be exalted. It's not so that I can be popular. It's not so that my kingdom or my platform would be exalted. It's so that the kingdom of God will grow stronger. It's so that people who are far from God and they haven't experienced his presence and they haven't been saved, that they can come to experience Jesus. That's why he gives us the gifts is to serve others and to reach others, not to build ourselves and for people to think that we're so awesome. It's him. It's all about him and it's all about his kingdom. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, would you give me those gifts? And for some of you, God's given you the gift to lead small groups. And if you haven't noticed, our church is kind of growing really fast. And last week we had record attendance and and we need more small groups, small group leaders this semester than we ever needed before because we need to care for more people than we ever cared for before. And there's some of you that God's given you a, a gift of pastoral care that you know how to listen to people. You know how to listen to their problems and give them advice and you know how to point them back to the word and you know how to pray for people and you know how to take care of people and we need you to lead a small group. We need you to lead a small group this semester and I would encourage you, if you feel like you have that gift, you can go today, go to cityhopefamily.com slash small groups and register to lead that group that God's put in your heart. If you feel that nudge, I just want you to know like you might feel like you're not smart enough and that you're not good enough and like you may not be, like you may not be but that's why we need the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, and we're not gonna let you do it alone. We got training. We'll, we're gonna give you training. We're gonna give you a coach who's gonna walk alongside of you. And between the church and the Holy Spirit, we'll help you out and we'll get this thing done, all right? But so for some of you, it, you need to take that step and lead a group because your life will change when you step into that purpose and that calling that God has for you. For some of you, you may not even know what your purpose is. Like you have no idea. You don't even know what the spiritual gift is that God has for you. And I would encourage you to go to growth track today. Today's step two of the growth track. And on step two, like we we help you find your spiritual gift. And, And we have that available after every single service today. And I would encourage you to go into the growth track so that you can discover the spiritual gift that God has for you because he has a gift for you And we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to stir that up. Amen, everybody? We go to the next piece of furniture. This is the second piece of furniture inside that tent. It's called the table of shoe bread. And what you would see and smell were 12 freshly baked loaves of bread. 
and they were there and they were fresh every day. And I can just imagine that it smelled like the Texas Roadhouse buttery rolls with the honey butter cinnamon. Come on, somebody. That's, that's some good stuff. Give the Lord some praise. That's some good stuff, especially for all of us who are fasting today. I'm like, give me, give me a whole basket. Give me two baskets of those rolls and a bunch of that butter, and I could just go to town. But it would smell, it would smell like freshly baked loaves of bread. And you say, what, why, is, why is there bread in this tent where God's presence was? What is that all about? And the table of shoe bread represented God's word. And it reminds us that we need to feed on God's word and then take those scriptures and use it as a weapon against the enemy. And Jesus did this, by the way, because when he, there was a time where the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And, the, and Satan came to him to tempt him and said, you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responded to Satan and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What is he saying? He's saying, yes, we need food, but man can't live only on food. If you're going to be spiritually alive, and if you're going to live the full life that God had for you, we, we got to have more than food. we got to have every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We've got to have God's word in our life. We've got to feed on God's word because God's word is so full of promises for you and for your family. And when the devil comes and he tries to bring lies and accusations and he tries to attack you and your family, you got to be able to fight back. And so you got to feed on the word of God so that you can use those scriptures just like Jesus did to tell Satan, no, no, you don't. It is written. This is what God's word says. And to put the enemy back in his place where he belongs. But we have to feed on God's word. And one of the best ways that I could encourage you to do that is there's an app called the, the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. You can download that and there's all kinds of Bible plans. And one that we recommend to people is the one-year Bible. It's just a few minutes. You can listen to it every single day and, and get God's word in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. And it'll transform your life when you begin to feed on God's word. Amen. And so the next piece, they, they would come to that table of shoe bread, reminds us to feed on God's word. The next one, and this is the one right before we enter into the presence of God. And it was the altar of incense. Now we saw an altar in the beginning and it was a little bit gross because it had the animal parts and the blood. But this one wasn't like that. This, this altar was burning incense. So it only burned good, pleasing, smelling, good, pleasing, smelling aromas. Like it was a good smell. It was like bed, bath, and beyond. It was like, it, it smelled good. It was only what was pleasing. It was incense. And what this teaches us and what this reminds us, because there's a verse in the Bible that says, God, let my life be a sweet-smelling fragrance to you. And we do that through worship. And so the altar of incense teaches and reminds us to worship his name. And you say, I thought we already worshiped. We worshiped in the beginning. We already did that. No, we didn't worship. We praised. And praise and worship, they're different. They're two different things. Praise is we thank God and we give him praise for what he's already done in our lives. But worship is where we, we worship him and we give him honor for who he is in our lives. We bless him because of who he is in our lives. And if, if the best way I could explain this is if you ever want to bless or honor someone, 
the way you can do that is through their names, by telling them who they are to you. So for example, I have a friend. He's my best friend. We've been best friends since the seventh grade. He lives back home where I'm from. And he has a name. His name is Charles, okay? But he's so much more than just Charles to me. He's not just Charles. He's my best friend. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. He's a confidant. I can count on him. And those words, they not only describe him, they describe him and they also honor him. And we do the same thing when we praise the names of God. God is so much more than just God to us. Yes, he's God, but he's also my defender. He's also my protector. He's also my peace. He's my provider. He shows up right on time. He's my shepherd. He's a doctor when I'm sick. He's a father to the fatherless and a friend to the friendless. You see what I'm saying? It describes him and it gives him honor and it blesses God's name when we worship him for who he is to us. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous people run to it and they are safe. They find safety. They find refuge. And we do that. We find refuge and we find safety when we honor the name of God. And so at that altar of incense, we worship the names of God. And then the last place, we come into the very last step of the tabernacle prayer. And you come into a room that was called the Holy of Holies because that's where the presence of God dwelt. This, this piece of furniture is called the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Bible, what you see is that everywhere the Ark of the Covenant went, that's where the presence of God went. In fact, people weren't even allowed to touch it. That, that's why they have these poles on the side is because when they would move it, they would have to pick it up by the poles because they couldn't touch, touch it because it contained the presence of God. And in fact, there was a guy in the Bible who touched it and he died because it was so strong. And between these angels where their wings connect right there in the middle, that was called the mercy seat. And it's right in the middle, right there between those wings is where the presence of God was. Literally carried the presence of God. And so by the time they would enter this stage of the tabernacle, they're looking at the Ark of the Covenant. They're looking at the mercy seat. And what you're seeing is God. You're seeing the presence of God. This would be the place where Moses was, where he met face to face with God as one met with a friend. They're literally looking at the presence of God. And I can like only, I don't even have a word to describe it, but just awesome, miraculous, so strong, so powerful. And the question is, what do you do when you're looking at God? What do you do when you're in the presence of God and, and you're looking at God? And what they would do is they'd intercede for others. They'd begin to pray for other people. They would make a case on the behalf of other people to God. And by the way, that's what Jesus does for you and for me is he, he intercedes before us to God. He makes a case on our behalf to God as he's seated on the right hand of the Father as, as he prays for us. He talks to the Father for us. But when we enter that place, that holy of holies, the presence of God, that's when it's time to pray for others. God, I lift up that family member who's far from you. God, I, I lift up my friend 
They're struggling in their finances, God. And I lift up my, my cousin, their marriage is, they're having a really hard time. God, would you bring unity in their marriage? God, I bless our church today. Would you touch the families in our church? Touch their kids. God, move in their lives. Help them in their jobs, in their health, in their emotions, in, our, in, in, in every area of their lives. And you're interceding on behalf of other people. And, and the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, it says, first of all, I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So he says, first thing I want you to do is pray for others. Pray for their needs. Call them out before God. And at 21 days of prayer, and even every Saturday at prayer, this is the point in the time where we would pray for all of those prayer needs that are across the platform that come from your connection cards, where you write, write down your prayer requests and we pray, God, this one's fighting cancer. Would you help them? Would you heal them? You're the healer. God, this one's fighting anxiety and depression. Would you give them peace? God, th th this couple's struggling with their marriage. They're, they're, con they're considering divorce. God, we rebuke divorce in the name of Jesus. And we, and we pray for unity and reconciliation. God, this one's having a hard time in their finances. God, you're the provider. Would you provide for them? And, and we begin to intercede for others. We're interceding for others. And then it says, pray for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And so we begin to pray, God, would you bless our government leaders? President Biden and Pre Vice President Harris, God, would you bless them? God, would you bless, would you bless the Congress and would you bless the Supreme Court? Lord, they need you. Lord, and so we're asking you to send revival to Washington, D.C. God, would you move? so that they could lead us to peaceful lives, God. Give them godly wisdom, not wisdom from the world, God. And we lift up Governor Abbott, Lord, that you would bless him. And we lift up every mayor in this area, in the, in the city councils, God. Every person that's in authority, God, would you bless them? Would you let them experience your presence? God, if they're not saved, let them come to know you. Let them experience your power, Lord transform their lives. And then, then after you pray for them, you pray for the, the leaders of the church, God. We're lifting up Pastor Ben and Annalise, God. Lord, they have tremendous load on their shoulders, God. We pray that you'd lighten the load and we pray that you'd give them strength as they lead our church. God, give them wisdom and guidance and direction, Lord. We're praying for our overseers and our trustees, God, for, for direction, Lord. We bless our church today and our small group leaders and our dream team. Lord, we cover them. We're lifting up those who are in authority. God, and I lift up my boss to you today. Lord, they need you. God, would you move in their life? Help them as they lead our team. Help them as they lead my company. You might say, I don't like my boss. That's all the more reason you need to pray for them. God, help them to have the right mindset. God, change their thoughts that I don't understand. Please help them. Pray for your boss. That's all the more reason. Pray for them. God, I bless them. God, help them. I bless them today. Lord, I pray for my family. I pray for the leaders of my family, my grandparents and my parents and my brother who's leading his family, God, and, and I bless them. And I, I bless my wife today. I bless my family. We're lifting up others. And then after you've prayed for others, we have needs too. So God, I've spent all this time with you and in your presence and I've lifted up others and God, you see my needs. So I pray that you would, pray that you would move in my life. God, that you would touch our finances, that you would touch our, let's see what we're doing. You give your needs to God. But that's what you do when you're in the presence of God. And what I'm doing is, I'm just trying to make this really easy. I'm trying to make this easy for you to, to, for you to experience the presence of God. 
And you don't have to know everything about the tabernacle. You don't have to know everything about all, all the articles of the tabernacle. All you need to know is those seven simple phrases that I gave you. And it'll transform your life. And you don't have to wait to the last minute when you need something. When you've exhausted all other resources and now I've got to pray because I need you, God, to come through. You can pray first. And we're trying to give you these tools. We're trying to make it easy for you so that you can pray in every situation that you can pray first. And I want to end with this is that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And when you begin to implement this, it will change and transform your life and your relationship with God because this isn't just a religious practice. This isn't religion. This is relationship with God that He wants to be with you. And I, and I believe that it, it'll change everything. And you'll begin to enjoy prayer when you implement, implement this in your life. Amen, everybody. Amen. If you would, just bow your head with me. Close your eyes. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your message today. And God, I just ask that you translate it to every person, to the context of their life and their background and exactly what they need to hear. God, that you would say what only you could say to them by the power of your Holy Spirit right now. And if you're here in the room and you'd say, you know, I wanna grow closer to God. I wanna grow in my prayer life. I, I, I wanna deepen and put down deep roots in my prayer life. I wanna enjoy prayer and not just feel like it's something I have to do, but that it's something I get to do. If that's you today and, and you wanna come close to God, I want you to just lift your hand on, if that's you, come on, just lift up your hand. My hand's up. Anyone today, I wanna pray over you. God, I bless every person that's here today. God, I pray that you'd help them to put deep roots down in their faith, God. I pray that you'd help them in their prayer lives, God. And as, that as we implement these prayers in our lives, God, that it would change us, it would transform us. God, draw us close to you. Lord, bring us close to you so that we can experience your presence, God, that we would be like Moses and we would, that we would be able to meet face to face with you as one meets with a friend, God. We ask you to change, transform us. Lord, help us to pray first. Let it be our first resort. Lord, God, let it be our first response, not our last resort. God, we come to you. We praise you. We thank you. You can put your hands down with your head still bowed if you're here today. And maybe you'd say, I, I haven't experienced the presence of God. I wanna go back to that brazen altar that the only way you can experience the presence of God is because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross. The blood, that his body was broken, his blood was shed on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins. The animals don't have to be sacrificed anymore because Jesus Christ died one time for all time. And today, you can walk out of this room with your sins forgiven, your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, full access to the presence of God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And maybe today you feel the weight of your sin you feel, the, you feel condemnation, you feel shame. You feel like you don't even deserve to be in the church today. You feel like, oh no, the, the room's gonna cave in on me. You feel like you don't even deserve to be here. I want you to know that that is all of us except the blood of Jesus. That it's the blood of Jesus that makes us righteous, that makes us suitable to be in the presence of a holy God. And if you feel today drawn to give your life to Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you He's here for you. And if that's you today, it's the Holy Spirit drawing you to repentance today. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Come on, lift your hand. I see you. God bless you. And you, God bless you. I see you. Thank you. I see you, you, you. Thank you. 
and you, God bless you, and you in the back, God bless you, hands everywhere, see you, thank you, awesome, so proud of you, you're making the best decision, hey, come on, pray this prayer with me, say, Jesus, I need you, I believe that you died on the cross, and that you rose again on the third day, I give my life to you, I surrender everything, and I'm gonna live for you the best that I know how for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. I love you. 